that was the one and only Victoria Williams. A song called Frying Pan off her um, live album, uh, This Moment in Toronto. She is. She was sort of. Uh, she's one of those uh, musicians that a lot of people who. Uh, she was really influential in the, the alternative music scene in the early uh, 90s. Uh, but she also got MS, and so she had a lot of health problems. And so they, uh, a lot of the, the uh, kind of established alternative acts of the 90s did an uh, a, uh, album called a Sweet Relief Album uh, for Victoria Williams. It was really good. So they just all did covers of her songs, and the proceeds went to her and her medical uh, cost. So that would be a really good... Um, album to look up if you're interested in kind of uh, music that you're a little obscure uh, I was trying to, I was working on a video one time, this was a long time ago and that was back in the days where people just, it was pre-internet mostly, well no it wasn't pre-internet because I had email, pre-social media and I I wanted to use an, a song I might have been that one, I don't know, it was one of her songs and so I just shot her an email because I found her email address because that happens today and she wrote me back and she just wrote me this kind of really sweet little um note you know use it just use it you know if it's gonna do some good in the world then use it and uh I forgot that uh she has a very unique voice uh just and she just sort of reminds me of some people I've known um uh, kind of Barefoot country, a little bit hippie. Some of my favorite people in the world. Uh, but speaking of uh, barefoot, I actually, it's, yeah, it's barefoot. So I'm sitting on the boat right now. Uh, I moved inside this time because the wind was just a little too much for me last week. I tried listening to it, and my car radio is really bassy. So every time the wind would blow, it would just sound like I was trying to. It was, it was annoying me. All I can say is it was annoying me. So I'm back in. A little less distraction. We'll just see how this goes. Um, we're on chapter nine social media. Fan or social media fans. You're not fans. You're students, and which by default makes you not fans. Um, we're gonna talk about some stuff. You guys have been doing your social media campaigns for a bit now uh you've been doing it for a minute and I, you know honestly i've been tracking some of you that have sent me your links or have those links have just sort of stumbled across my desktop and it seems that a lot of you aren't necessarily making you know getting those hundreds of thousands of followers like you may have thought that you were going to it's funny how that works huh So a few years ago, I really got into gardening. And 
it was in this phase of my life and I'm, and I'm not sure I ever got out of it. I think it's, it was just sort of the beginning of it where I was thinking about and worried or concerned or just felt like, I guess felt like humanity was sort of on this verge of losing a lot of sort of this really basic and sort of grounding knowledge that our that our ancestors had like our grandparents and our great grandparents had and this was the point in time where um, I was just thinking about sort of the disposable nature of everything and how everything's sort of temporary and there's this line in uh, Lord of the Rings. I know it's in the movie and it's probably in the book. But they were talking about the Shire, where the hobbits live. And it was basically, you know, this it's just kind of a quiet, peaceful place. People mostly think about food and ale and, you know, good pipe weed. It was an agricultural society. But there's a line that threw in there that really stuck with me. And it says it was built to endure. The Shire was built to endure. The Shire wasn't about passing fads. It wasn't about the temporary. It was about the things that happen that span years, decades, and centuries. And in the expansion of the digital age, and if you've studied it, you'll, you'll know really in the past hundred years that change has become exponentially. Things are temporary. What's popular today, what seems relevant today, is completely forgotten tomorrow. And that seemed concerning to me because there was there's this information that's out there there's this thing that, and I talked about it you know in the past few weeks there's this whole world of stuff that happens that technology just sort of makes it seem like it's always there there's your lights always come on when you flip the switch the food's always in the grocery store, on the shelves. There's always gas at the gas station. And that's true until it's not. And it was that, that sort of thing that was becoming a bit more concerning to me. And so I started thinking about food you know I was raised on a farm I was raised in a rural part of the America and I drive through those same places today and I see just a lot of like empty fields you know they're just fallow nothing happens there grass is cut that's about it and I think about people who don't really know how to cook and they don't really know how to grow their own food 
And that was the thing that was sort of the most concerning for me is because I realized I was included in that group. Like I helped my grandfather in his garden. I helped my parents in their garden. But it was as a kid and you don't, you know, fully appreciate everything that's going on in those moments. You know, because if you think about like, like my grandparents were like the World War II generation. And I think about their grandparents, you know, which would have turned the century. And it doesn't take very long in a few generations that um, the thing about the garden was it's not so much about you're not growing your vegetables because they're better than the, you know, what you can find at the store. You grow those vegetables because that is the store. And I realized I didn't know those things. So I do what I'd always do. I just sort of, uh, I dive in. I try to, I try to teach myself some of these sort of old skills. Like, you know, recently, past year taught myself how to sew taught myself how to work leather um you know i've looked at you know everything from like preserving meat to canning honestly i haven't done much canning so i can't really say i know what i'm doing there i can't tell you i just kicked the table anyway so i decided to uh get into gardening and, and I, there was a thing about it though. When, when I was, when I'm talking about knowledge loss, it's not just that, you know, I kind of need to know how, you, how do you grow a vegetable, but it was also sort of the, the way you do it. Um, you know, these days you just go get your seeds or go get your plants, throw them in the ground, sprinkle some mineral, uh, miracle grow on them and sit back and wait bugs come out you know you can treat them you know some sort of pesticide whatever it happens to be there's there's a there's a chemical solution to everything and my concern wasn't so much that i was thinking oh we need to go organic and these things are terrible and because i'm not against science and i understand that a lot of you know especially when you start getting into gmos like they're not always as big of a as a devil as people make them out to be. Sometimes they are, but not always. But one of the things about just like throwing fertilizer on it is that it's a a band-aid on something else. One of the things I realized with the older um, methods and it's really starting to come back now because you hear you hear the term regenerative agriculture. Well, regenerative agriculture was the way to do things um, back in the day. Um, because if you don't put back into the soil, because everything is based, let me back up. Regenerative agriculture comes from a basic concept of you're constantly putting back into the soil. You want to create healthy soil because healthy soil has all kinds of microorganisms that create a symbiotic relationship. Um, sometimes you bring in different animals as well. Like in, in pasture uh, ranching, 
like um you have, there's this method called the Serengeti method and it was the idea that you put multiple species of animals in the same field together so you put a cow you put cows in there in a field and they eat certain amounts of um grasses they eat certain types of grasses and then you but you also throw in there some maybe some smaller ruminant animals like goats or sheep and they will eat the things that the um, cows won't and then you get them off that land because you don't want them there too long you don't want it overgrazed but then the thing you do after that is you throw some bunch of chickens out there kind of wild or um, birds because the birds will then pick through all the droppings they'll pick out the worms in the droppings and then they'll create their own droppings which creates a higher degree of nitrogen into the soil which also because they're picking out the worms reduces the fly population that bother the other animals and so you have this whole symbiotic relationship but at the same time the soil itself is becoming healthier and healthier and that healthy soil is going deeper and deeper and the roots of the plants and the grasses go deeper and deeper there's more moisture down there it tends to be um, it's healthier down there it holds the soil together you get less erosion and actually what it does as much as people like to hate on cows and carbon um, it actually creates a carbon um, um, it draws carbon out of the atmosphere and into the um, um, soil and so it actually serves the purpose that everybody wants it takes co2 out of the atmosphere because plants are like all of us are carbon-based uh, critters and so it's healthy because it's an ecosystem and so this was this idea that I had for my own garden. Like I wanted to do these kind of things. Like I wanted to figure this out. And so I started reading things like on no-till gardening, gardening, and then how you mulch stuff. So you take old hay and you pack it in around all the plants. And then again, you keep moisture into the soil. The, the hay is also composting itself down. And then you just do this year after year. And before long, you don't really have to plant that much stuff because what you do plant will absolutely run away from you because it grows so much deep greens deep colored vegetables that are delicious I had planted gourds because I wanted gourds because I was like, wait, why don't you have gourds because I remember my great aunt had gourds in her backyard I don't know what the hell you use a gourd for except birdhouse but I decided to grow some and I'll be damned if those things didn't go about 50 feet up in a tree. And it was impressive. I had good vegetables. I had good fruit. I had good cantaloupe. I had good watermelons. I had good squash. Good okra. I had all those. If you could just keep up with it. I had a lot of food and a little bit of spice. Because. I was focusing on the soil. Like I wasn't focusing on the results like I wasn't focusing on like how do I make the reddest tomatoes possible I was focusing on how do I create the ideal growing conditions for tomatoes 
focused on the purpose of the thing, not the results. You know, the results are important, but those are the byproduct of doing something else. It's like all institutions. You focus on the thing that you're supposed to do and those other byproducts that are the, the net benefit tend to work out for themselves because you're not, you're not squeezing the life out of them, trying to, you know, make more money. You're doing what you need to do. Your miracle grow is your time and dedication to the thing that you're growing. Your efforts are the thing that makes whatever you're working on created and made to endure. So, we're going to talk about that, because as it just so happens, those same elements apply to social media. Like, you can throw fertilizer on there. Fertilizer is essentially the, you know, the equivalent of buying ad time. Fertilizer is throwing some stuff out there putting something out that's just a little more edgy, risky, risque, whatever it happens to be, just to attract attention. It may be a little funny, maybe a little sexy. It may be its own little thing, but it's at the end of the day, those, a lot of those things are just sort of gimmicks. And what you really want to be doing in the world of social media, and really all media... And this is if you're trying to create your own, you know, TikTok empire or you want to be a writer and you want people to notice what you do. You have to focus on the things that matter. You have to focus on the craft. You have to focus on the soil that will allow your networks to grow. And so, you know, if you want vegetables, the other problem is sometimes you can grow a big plant and there's no vegetables on it. And that's its own problem. So, let's talk about that today, shall we? I think we shall. I think we shall. Now I'm just trying to find something else because I'm trying to do a clever little transition that isn't happening just yet. Hmm. Still hasn't happened. Still waiting on it to happen. Trying to find this one little thing. It hasn't happened yet. There it is. Alright. If I was professional, I would edit all that out. But I like to show you the bumps in the road just like the rest of it. Let's get started. This nation will rise 
about the true meaning of its creed. Words are things. We hold these truths to be, be self-evident. Careful that about all calling people out of their names. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. Somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't read. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your puppy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communication. Oh, yeah. Are you not That's a powerful new phone. Are you not Just that why you are here? All right, so welcome to the Pirate Professor podcast. This is your captain speaking. Say we're on social media, and we're to my uh, social media class, Chapter 9, Executing Strategy. So this is, again, we've been building up and all the stuff that we've been focusing over the past few weeks. This is the stuff that's about improving soil. All right, this is the thing that doesn't seem glamorous it doesn't seem sexy it seems like oh my god this seems like math ugh ugh we don't like math we're journalism students we're, we're humanity students why are you making us do things that look like math because that's where the real magic is you may have learned by now um because you guys have been working on your own social media strategies and your own platforms that you may or may not be putting full effort in or you may be kind of half-assing. You may be getting some good results and you may not be. But what you've probably figured out is that developing a brand and creating a strong social media presence is not easy. There's no magic button. And sometimes the stars align and it takes off unexpectedly. Like sometimes you're just in the right place at the right moment and you hear those stories and you want it to be you, but chances are it's not going to be. Chances are you're going to get the results that are proportional to the effort that you put into it. And I got to be honest, sometimes even then it's not going to work. Not every brand is suitable for a strong social media uh, presence. Some things are just kind of dull and people don't really care that much. It's just the way it is. You, you tend to be more excited about your own thing and less excited about other people's stuff. So, um, you know, and, and I've, I've, I, I remember, um, like I've taken, I've had a lot of clients, um, and I helped them, you know, act kind of as a consultant. And sometimes I would just do, you know, manage their social media, um, ecosystems and you know sometimes they work better than others and some part of it is you always have to kind of remember who it is 
that you're dealing with and why they're there. You're building the soil, but you're building the soil because you want to grow things. You want to grow. It's not that you just want to be popular because it, remember, these things are almost inevitably helping fund something. They're either about bringing in customers uh, or they're bringing in sales of some sort or donations if you're a nonprofit. Whatever it is, you're trying to do something that's kind of that's causing that to happen. So if you have a social media site or a campaign and it may be popular, but it's not actually generating, creating any return on investment, I can't say that it's a successful campaign. You know, you may just be an influencer and your whole gig is just to make people follow you and like you and then you can leverage that audience. Maybe, maybe that's your gig, but then again, you still have to treat it like a business and you still have to treat it like a um, garden it's your own ecosystem so too often and, I've, and it's been students and it's been clients that I've had newcomers think if they've got some kind of cute picture or something they think's a good idea it's immediately going to grow because they think it should but remember the average person out there isn't as excited about your thing as everyone else is just think about everybody who posts pictures of their food of their pets and of their kids like okay good you've got a cute dog you've got a cute cat you've got a cute kid that looks like a delicious meal but you care way more about it than i do right so and i don't mean to hate on anybody's dogs or cats or kids but it's just reality and so, and if you're just throwing stuff out there randomly, it's kind of, if we're using it, if we're going to keep running with the garden analogy, it's like randomly tossing seeds into your backyard and expecting to have this amazing garden. It's just not going to happen. Maybe. Well, I say it's not. There's a one in a million chance that's going to happen. But, that's, and again, that's just if the stars align in your favor. But don't think of it that way. Think of it, it's like it's just going to be a lot of work. You're going to be out there on your hands and knees, pulling out weeds, tending to you know plants, picking off the bugs, whatever it happens to be that you need to be doing. Um, and it, that's one of the things that happens with gardening as well. Like one of the things that people like, oh, it's springtime. It's like right now. It's 70 degrees. The morning's cool. The afternoons are warm. The birds are singing. I can hear the robins can smell the grass is starting to grow the, you know everything's beautiful and clean and crisp they're like I want to grow a garden and I'm going to have the greatest garden in the world and so they plant it and they see their little garden plants coming up and they're oh my god aren't they precious and then you fast forward a few months to like July it's 100 degrees there's bugs in there you got something's eating your squash plants and you don't know what the hell it is you got your tomatoes or you've got plants but your tomatoes are weird you don't know what's going on or maybe they're, they're getting too much water and your tomatoes are splitting and you just don't know how to deal with this and the, oh and, and let's not forget the weeds and the heat and the ticks and chiggers and maybe the snakes that are in your garden at this point right and by this point people are just like screw it I hate this thing I'm just gonna forget it and they just it grows up and then fall gets here and they mow it down or till it under and call it done you know it's fun until it's not 
And that's kind of how social media is, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, so much, you know, you see somebody's, you go to the farmer's market and you see that all those beautiful, all that beautiful produce, you know, but you didn't see all the work that went into that. And the same thing with like your favorite whoever, favorite brand, favorite whatever. So much of what you see on social media, what makes it work is actually hidden. And the audience never actually um, really sees it or appreciates the amount of work and strategy and creativity. It's this idea that it's all just sort of random and it just sort of spontaneously happens and la 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 la. It's utopia and it's not utopia. Um, it's just designed to look like it. And so, but it's, it's, it's a carefully crafted uh, visual representation of a lot of work. You know, or you can think of it as an iceberg. You're, you're just seeing the tip of the thing. You're not seeing what's what's buried beneath the, the water. And so, like I said, all the stuff that we've been covering this semester, whether you found it interesting or not interesting, or whether I found it or interesting or not interesting, this is all the stuff that's below the surface. This is all the stuff that's working behind the scenes. This is all the stuff that may be happening, you know, when it's 100 degrees and you're out there weeding your garden and you're covered in sweat and you just want to go inside and drink some tea and so what I want you to start doing is thinking about your digital presence as a garden and I, and I know I've talked about this in the past but I really want you to think about think about it as something that's organic it needs good soil and it needs good seeds it needs water it needs regular attention it needs you to show up every day and make sure it's just not dying from neglect or some kind of poison or invasive something you know because when it comes to your social media stuff, there's stuff you can do that makes it healthy. And there's stuff that you can do that'll make it sick. And the thing that you need to do is learn the difference in those. Um, you know, a good garden is also a good ecosystem. To, going back to what I'm talking about, symbiotic relationships. These things are adding health to your digital ecosystem. And... And, you know, we're talking about those. And I guess I'm working in the terms of metaphor right now. But these things are important. It's not that you just want to tap into different media outlets. It's that you want to become one. Um, and that's the thing with, like, even publishers today. And half the time, if you want to get a book published today, you you have to kind of come with your own audience. And then sort of the thing is, like, if this is your first book, like, you're not, you're hardly get a a publisher to even look at you unless you can already you know demonstrate that you've got a pretty good strong following um so this ecosystem in terms of di digital it's going to mostly have roots in four different places you're going to have owned media um, and i'm going to go through the social media paid media and earned media so owned media these are the channels or platforms that brands create to manage and control so it's your it's your website your apps your blogs this is the stuff that you as the proprietor own this is the hub of your digital network it's the core that everything so if you're thinking of like in terms of a wheel and a spoke this is the hub this is the thing in the middle this is everything leads back to this your own media you want your traffic to eventually flow through your online store your app your website whatever it happens to be and this own media is the thing that requires a lot of work to be seen. Because remember, there's a billion websites in the world. What makes yours special? 
But this is why smart brands use both paid media or get there and social media to direct the audience and customers to their website. You're using those things to redirect eyeballs. Like you're trying to bring people over to where you are. And the most important thing that you need to remember is that you have to make your own media a place worth visiting. Just because you think it's awesome doesn't mean they do. Let me repeat that again. Just because you think your shit's awesome doesn't mean it's really so. Say it again. Just because you think it's awesome doesn't make it awesome. All right. Social media. This is where we are for this class. Platforms that are owned and controlled by other companies. Social media allows brands to tap into specific audiences because of the big data uh, capabilities of these companies. But those other companies use algorithms to control that audience and your access to them. This is the thing. You have an agenda, but so do they. And you're at their mercy on a lot of this. They also tend to come in and, you know, whatever the algorithms is, they, the thing that they want the most at that particular point in time, those also come in and out of popularity. And social media is always a moving target. So sometimes, like, and I talked about this the other day, like if you post a, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you post a link to a YouTube video on Facebook, it's going to get penalized and not shown to a whole lot of people simply because Facebook doesn't want you showing Google videos on their platform because Google is their competitor. But if you take that same video and create a video post on Facebook, it's going to get seen by a lot of people because they want you to do that. Or the other thing that Facebook is known for, uh, this is, you know, this is how they have Instagram and this is why they're doing Instagram is becoming a lot more like TikTok lately is they're trying to take away an audience from another site, another network. And so if they, if you're trying to do Instagram and you're just posting TikTok videos that are labeled TikTok videos, probably those are going to get penalized. Um, but if you upload it directly to Instagram, it's going to go farther. And because of this, this constant shifting, this is why I kind of, it's sort of like gardening. It's, it's like weather, like these algorithms are like weather. It, you can't control them. Um, you, you sort of have to just learn how to, to read them and adjust accordingly. Different networks have different demographics and prefer different types of content. And so you have to learn to figure out again, if we're trying to grow stuff, think about what the right environment is for that thing to grow. Uh, if you're looking for a very specific audience, you're going to go to one network. If you're looking for a different kind of audience, you want to go to another one. And they may have a real, that brand may have a really successful social media presence on a particular network one week and suddenly see their engagement bottom out simply because the network changed their algorithms. And this is a monumental pain in the ass. And I'm, and I'm telling you this as someone who used to do this professionally. You're doing great. Your clients are happy. You're happy. You're making sales. You're getting clicks. You're doing all of the things you need to be doing. And then you don't change a thing. And then suddenly the week after that, everything bottoms out because suddenly they're like, Hey, you need to start paying for this now. Or, Hey, we want something else now. And so, but here's the thing. We're not going to tell you what it is that we suddenly want. The way you do that is start figuring out what you're starting to see. And those are sometimes subtle changes. And, um, you know, 
And so you just have to pay attention. What's going on? Like an airplane flying over. And frankly, some social networks do a much better job of getting results than others. Uh, and again, it depends on what audience you're trying to reach and like what's the point of that audience. If you're looking strictly for sales, if you're looking for clicks, if you're looking for shares, or if you're looking for exposure, different audiences bring different sorts of things. So with that, here's some social media advice. And I've, I've told you this already, but, but I'm going to do something here. I don't know how it's going to work out. I like this uh, music underneath. I wonder what it sounds like when I'm just doing through a PowerPoint. I have not previewed this song. Definitely not doing that song. Hmm. I don't know how long these are. Oh, here's one. It's called Torture. Hmm. <laughs> no, not that one. There we go. I don't know how long this is. But see, I must be getting this up. Oh, it's even got words. So this is that moment in every film where the protagonist has a real soul-searching um, point in the story. They're trying to decide what to do. So this is that soul-searching point for you in your social media campaign. So we've got the little scene of you just standing on top of a mountain, looking out over the horizon. Cuts to a scene of you scribbling down ideas in a notebook cuts to another scene of you ripping that page out throwing it off the mountain litter bug and then you get an idea and you start writing because you finally understood what I've been trying to tell you the things you need to be doing research your targets usage rates and habits for different networks Find out what your people do. Post with a purpose. By the way, this is back to social media advice. These are things you're writing to yourself. We're just going to pretend. Post with a purpose. Post relevant and brand-related content. Post because with, for something that's actually going to cause something to happen, not just to try to get a few more likes. Ooh, look at me. It's a selfie. Ask for your followers to actually get involved. Get engagement. Ask them to click on something. Ask them to write a review. Ask them to do things. It's going to increase the likelihood that they're going to do it. Also, include the types of VIP photos and videos and links that are trending on particular networks. This is what I'm talking about. You have to pay attention to what's going on. What is that particular network, what is that particular environment good at growing right now? And you need to create that. And now, everything gets very exciting with your brand. This is cutting to the click. You're watching all your numbers grow. You're out, your analytics are getting bigger. It's exciting.
another thing. When you're asking questions, use questions like who, what, when, and where and when. Don't ask why. Let me ask, let me tell you why. The reason you don't ask why is that you're asking people to speculate. Why is this happening? And that is the fertilizer for online arguments. Also, depending on the network, if the hashtags are still a thing wherever you are, if you're on Twitter, then that's where you stick with. Oh, my song ended. Stay active, post regularly, but don't blow them up. Don't flood the network. You want to post regularly, but you want to post something that's worth listening to. Like, you just don't want junk. Also, choose the most efficient and effective networks to reach the audience. I've said that like a dozen times today. It's because I mean it. Also, monitor what's working and what's not working. That's important. If it's not working, stop doing it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste the resources. Um, paid media. Paid media is advertising. You're buying. And, and this is sometimes good to help get stuff jump-started. Sometimes it's what you have to do, um, if, especially if you're doing something commercial, because if you're commercial by default, it makes it harder to uh, get traction. Uh, and paid media allows you to get your message out to the audience for a price. Uh, and those digital ads come in forms of programmatic, um, programmatic buying, not programmatic or problematic. It's programmatic buying, real-time bidding, and remarketing. So programmatic buying means that the cost per ad is fixed. So this is your, it's like, this is how much it costs. This is what you pay. This is kind of how traditional ads purchases are done like in the, in the in the normal media market so you want a billboard on the interstate it's going to cost you this much per month that's how much it is you know there's some room for negotiation but largely that's the price real-time bidding is like what you do for like google adwords um real-time bidding advertisers state what the audience they want and reach and what they're willing to pay for an impression for like a click or a view um and so it's just constant bidding. So whoever has the highest bid at the moment, you know, it'll show their stuff until their money runs out and then it'll go to the next person, you know, or however you've got it set up. And so these ads are purchased on a real time basis by automation where choice spots and times go to the um, highest bidder. And remarketing is something that you're all familiar with because whenever I you, you get the sense that a website is following you around, like, look for anything on Amazon or have a conversation with someone uh, on Instant Messenger and the next thing you know, you start getting ads for that thing. That's called remarketing. Remarketing, like if you go to Amazon and you click on a product and then the next thing you know, every website you go to has an ad for that product on that website and it shows up on the sidebar. That's called remarketing. It tracks internet usage for interaction with brands and products and then pushes ads toward those users. Bloggers and influencers. Some of you want to be bloggers and influencers, and this is a strategy as well. It's basically you find someone who's already created their own little mini or not so mini media empire, and then you get them to push your product in some form or fashion. Maybe sometimes they're just wearing the clothes. Sometimes they're actually making a, a verbal um, 
shout out for whatever it is sometimes you know whatever it comes in all forms and flavors and you pay those people to do that they don't typically do it just because they love you earned media earned media is the attention audience you build through your own hard work okay this is the one this is the one you get through sweat equity because you're creative you work hard um, and you 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 wrangle the different algorithms you 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 put a lot of time and effort into your content and you get an audience and you build it and and joyful joyful it happens and you get it and hooray you're doing you're doing the thing good for you that's earned media review sites this is something that's grown more and more popular over the past few years um, and these are just sites like Yelp um, where you just simply write reviews about things and these are useful for brands because it helps them rise above their competitors uh, so you got Google reviews or Yelp um, customer reviews or what and I do this like if I'm gonna buy something I've never bought before like one of the things I'm gonna do is like is this thing garbage um, like is it gonna is this something that I'm gonna get and be happy with Is it something I'm gonna be disappointed with I don't know and so let's find people who've already been through this purchase process they've gone through the purchase funnel and let's see what their satisfaction is and ta-da they're happy or they're not happy and if they're not happy I move on um, also within the context of the review sites make sure you're encouraging people who have good experiences to leave comments I took an online training uh, course last week and that was one of the things that you know the trainer really asked when we got to the end of it is hey can you you know we're going to send you an email with a review you know survey please say nice things about me and that's the thing you know she's like her job depends on customer satisfaction the people taking the class are the customers so it helps to remind us one that it's important for her and two hey she was she was a good trainer so let's write something nice and then so when the email comes around you write something nice and she went as far as even like hey this is the way this thing's set up so make sure you if you're going to score it score it correctly so these are things that you can do as well uh, so you know depending on whatever it is that you're trying to do do it well and you know this is just customer loyalty brand satisfaction all of these things does it make sense to you all right, I hope it makes sense to you. Um, and, hey, we're right on time. And we're at the end of this chapter. Hopefully you did well in next week's spring break. So I'll probably skip. I don't know if I'll skip. I may go ahead and throw a podcast out there. But, you know, you're under no obligation to listen to it unless you just like hearing the sound of my voice. So either way. Hope you're doing well on the exam this week. And beyond that, just go kill it. Just just be awesome. That's the thing. If you remember, look on the syllabus. The thing is, I only expect you just to work hard and be awesome. Like, strive for awesome. All right. I'm going to take you out with another uh, band that I really like that may be falling more under the obscure category. They're this band uh, out of Ohio called Over the Rhine. Uh, they have a really good album called Ohio, by the way. Um, but this is author. Um, this is a song called "Changes Come." 
and I used to go to a music festival that these folks would play at, and they'd always do a midnight show. So I would just sit in the back of the tent listening to them. And they're just really, really, I don't know, soulful, soulful band. All right. All right, crew. Have a great day. Great night. Great whatever you're going to do. Have a great life.
Thanks for that, good night.